This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. Tim O'Malley with Tim Priester in a two-man booth after Notre Dame's 33-10 win over North Carolina in Chapel Hill. And Tim Priester, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, you uh, ended the Georgia game adamantly stating that Notre Dame would go 5-1, and one, although I don't think you thought it would be in this dominating fashion. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm getting too much credit for that because I was caught up in the emotion of Notre Dame you know, the, the, well, we can contradicted you though completely. Yeah. We did not either one of us, Peter. Or I think that would happen. No, I thought I thought they had narrowed a gap enough physically that they were going to be in a position to do that. I realized the five road or uh, the three road games <laughs> made it seem like pretty. It was pretty problematic. But Notre Dame's now won three games by twenty points or more on the road against Power Five conference teams for the first time since nineteen seventy three. So. I mean, tremendous progress. Uh, no, I didn't think that it would look like this. The the ability to basically physically manhandle football teams, which is which is what they've done. I think a lot of people were, and we were surprised to see that he had booked through 25 times in the first half. But I think that's a reflection of a banged-up backfield, for one, and Chip Long having confidence in Ian Book to make the throws that he can make. There are, not to create a quarterback controversy because I'm not going to do that, but there are more throws within the realm of throws that Ian Book can make. I mean, he's better on timing routes. He's better on uh, throws to his right, although he waited too long on that Claypool 23-yarder. But, man, you know, six games into this, Notre Dame now 16th in the country for what that's worth in the AP. AP um, a much, much stronger football team. The schedule gets a lot stronger in the second half. Now, when Notre Dame's not blowing out teams in the in the second half of the season, keep in mind the level of competition narrowing the gap. Well, they start with the perfect team because this is the game where when they lost to Georgia, we thought, all right, no one's getting totally back on board until they play USC. Well, I think they got a lot more people back on board than I would have guessed because Do of the largely the way that they, they won. Play. But yeah. this still is the big one. This is the one that will validate things for Brian Kelly and the program. And also, if they win this one, you are in the national For a con- week, it will validate. Well, you're in the national conversation. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, the next game might be the toughest. But you are in the national conversation with the win over USC. Right now, it's the periphery. Although a lot of people paying attention have them in the conversation, but I, I mean, clearly you have to win because you have that one. Yeah, loss and they have they there, have but. they have the schedule to get back in the conversation if they take care of business. And looking back, they they haven't been great teams. I wrote about it. It was they've lost to a relative peer. They've beaten a relative peer without splitting hairs for Georgia, Michigan State. They've beaten three bad teams, and they've beaten a capable team in Boston College. So the worst maybe was what we saw, and that's not necessarily North Carolina or Larry Fedora's fault because they are so beaten up. But North Carolina's offense could not stress Notre Dame's defense. Uh, I don't know if it would have stressed. I know it wouldn't have stressed Mike Elston's defense last year. It might have stressed the previous defense last September, but they they had very little chance of pulling off that upset. North Carolina's in for a long season. I mean, I don't see a significant improvement. They've got Virginia coming up. I think they're at, but they they have to go to Pittsburgh, which you would think would be a, a matchup that they might be able to handle. Virginia Tech's on there at Virginia Tech. So they're, they're in for a very long season. But Nordham did what they had to do, again, over the course of 
of 60 minutes. The one, the you know, when Nordan was up 14 to nothing and Kareem recovered the fumble, I thought that was a great, great time to, um, you know, step on North Carolina's neck. And they didn't do that partly because Equinemius St. Brown wasn't very competitive on two throws in that series, and then they had to punt. But uh, and then books. You know, there's a tendency to say, well, uh, Book's first interception is the equivalent of a punt. No, it's not. It's second and eight at the three. You can, you can. Uh, and there was enough time for a field goal drive there. That was yeah, issue. yeah. I mean, that was that was a that was a poor decision throwing into to uh, coverage with help over the top from the safety. But by and large, I mean, let's talk about Ian Book because he did. I mean, he did what he had to do under the circumstances. I thought he came out with a lot of confidence and that's why I think long gave him the, the menu of plays that he did. Elize Mack was heavily involved. Those are safe throws, but throws that Brandon Wimbush doesn't always make. Uh, Chase Claypool continues to step up. Good things happen when you get the football in his hands. As I said earlier, book held on too long to that 23 yarder. If he, you know, if you see that play, if you get the ball to him earlier, there's a DB being run off. I'm not sure who the the Notre Dame receiver was, but there's a DB being run off. And if he could have turned that up sooner, it might have been a really, really big play, but he had to put on the brakes before he got to the sideline. But by and large, I mean, your thoughts, Tim, on Ian Book and the way he handled his first start. I think now if Brandon Wimbush tweaks his foot or anything happens to him against USC, I would have no pause whatsoever for Ian Book going in and, winning and being able to win that game yeah. as well. Uh, I think Brandon Wimbush is clearly definitively the starter there's some things where if you're if you're watching that game live and I haven't even made it through the whole tape yet if you watch the whole North Carolina game live there are runs where book has a chance to or escapes and Brandon Wimbush turns that into a huge game and we're not talking about 25 passes because there's a touchdown run that's involved in that Brandon Wimbush has special speed uh just because George's linebackers have the exact same speed doesn't mean he's not going to have success running the football for the rest of the season they need a healthy Wimbush because the new goal is not Hey, this is great. They're eight, nine win team. The new goal. I think Notre Dame fans, and we're going to be getting, in, we have plenty of time to get into this, are going to be disappointed if there's two more losses in these six games. And it's a very tough six games. But I think you need Brandon Wimbush to navigate it. Ian Book can absolutely go in and win a game when called upon. We thought that beforehand, but he, I think he, I think he proved it because of his accuracy on short throws, which can help you move the ball with this running game. I give him. I think he's a better deep passer than we saw in that game. I think people, some people were jumping. I think Pete was wondering, is he a good enough deep passer? I've seen him throw better deep than he did in that North Carolina game. So I actually thought Book would play a little better statistically, but he played a fine game to win the game. And, and the, with that running game, you're right about the 25 passes. I think they wanted to see what Ian Book could bring to the offense. And as Brian Kelly said, we're going to run the ball. The, ga- the plan is to run the ball this game. They were looking to take some shots, and they just didn't happen to hit. I think the key thing was we kept 9 for 12 was the stat yeah. you used, and I was saying 11 for 16. He started out 11 for 14, and then after that he was 6 for 17. Um, you know, it's my contention that they started playing the out routes a little bit more. North Carolina did. Um, but but he did just fine. As it relates to, uh, well, as it relates to Wimbush and, and Book, we can sit here and say that Book throws some passes better than Wimbush, but they're averaging 41 points a game with Wimbush. And the key stat there is the red zone efficiency that Notre Dame has under Brandon Wimbush. He has eight rushing touchdowns. Now, would it be better if those eight were uh, five runs and three passes? I mean, it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is productivity in the red zone. 
And that's where Wimbush, in addition to the, as you mentioned, the, the potential for a big run or a big play is greater with, with him. Uh, as it relates to the schedule coming up in nine and three or 10 and two, you know, in order to finish nine and three, we have a question on this. So oh, we will okay, we'll, well, then maybe, uh, but let me just yeah. say that I think, you know, you have USC, NC State, you have Miami, Stanford. Uh, if you split, if you split one, I'm making the triple option signal to Tim right here. Remember, there's a triple option involved. No, no, no. <laughs> that's why I was going to say. Assume we'll start with the assumption they're going to beat Wake Forest and Navy, which you can't do, of course. But you have the two home games, USC, NC State. If you split those, and you have the two road games, Miami, Stanford, and you split those, you're a nine to three football yeah. team. Now, can you win both games at home? You would expect to, regardless of the opponent, uh, but that's going to be really, really difficult. Um, now USC is going to be playing uh, Utah this weekend, so that's a that's a physical game for them to play. But we'll go one step at a time here and get into our questions a little bit later. Dion McIntosh, uh, I think previously you could watch him and say uh, he does a good job running out the clock when Notre Dame's guys do the heavy lifting. He did more than that in this game. Now the game was in hand, but a little bit of wiggle we hadn't seen. He led the team in rushing in less than two quarters. That wasn't only a guy that had been, as Pete pointed out, very inefficient, really, with a few touchdown runs. He looked like a more confident running back. We kept giving uh, Samson hell with each efficient <laughs> run that McIntyre had. Piled up. There was, uh, <laughs> He's changing pretty, his statistics. It's a pretty efficient 35-yard run right there, Pete. Yeah. But, there was, uh, but he really looks like now a third running back, which they might need because Dexter Williams has to learn to run through this ankle injury. He was never going to play. I don't think fans need to worry about that. That was that was made up. That was fake news that Dexter Williams was going to play. After well, we Ke- saw him Kelly walking. admitted that he was yeah. there was Adams and Jones going in, and Williams was somewhat of a distant third health-wise. But the problem is Tony Jones, I think, has been injured this, if not the whole year. Is that what is I it, think we're going to find out. Does that explain yes. why we're not he seeing the too, Tony Jones? He looks too slow. He was not that type of runner. So kind of like we found out Matthias Farley after the fact when he couldn't tackle in 2013. Yeah. I think Tony I think Tony Jones is working through it, and it's nice that Deion McIntosh can aid the running game because yeah. we did not see that coming. Jones is playing his first snaps on the collegiate level. And, and frankly, I, I think we were surprised what we saw of him in the spring in August at the times. We didn't yeah, yeah, we didn't we didn't think that maybe he had that much zip and elusiveness when he when he came into Notre Dame. But um McIntosh, uh, he does two things I think really well. When there's a crease, man, he hits it. And the second thing is, and he's proven this over the last four games, arm tackles are not usually going to work. If you don't have a good tackling angle on McIntosh, he's probably going to break through it. Uh, you know, power runner between the tackles when there isn't a lot of room, that's probably not his game, and that's where the inefficiency comes in. But Give him a crease and give him a bad tackling angle from a defender, and he's pretty damn good. And Notre Dame's offensive line provides creases. They do. And the rest of the, the tight ends and the wide receivers allow it, so sometimes there's bad angles and arm tackles coming. So that's we're going to get into that too, what, what other parts of this running game are making it click. But people ask why Josh Adams isn't a Heisman contender, and we had to come up with a real reason because, well, he leaves games. So, well, you know who should be a Heisman contender? The left side of Notre Dame's offensive line, because that's the best thing on this program right now. And they make guys, I don't know how good any of these guys are, because there are holes. It's like yeah. the old Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL. Remember they lost Priest Holmes, and all of a sudden the next guy comes in and there's 18 touchdowns, Denver Broncos. That's what this offensive line is doing. This They are one of the best units in football, and I know they did not have a great day against Georgia, but I'm pretty sure they'd like to dial it up one more time again against a team like that. Yeah, um, 
No doubt about that. Let, let's uh, um, let's talk about some of the injuries because Notre Dame is more injured than they've been at any point, which, you know, we always say, eh, the, the bye week came at a good time. Well, as it relates to health, uh, that's certainly true with this team. And, and I asked Brian Kelly after the game if any of these injuries would be problematic two weeks from now. Now his answer is certainly not the definitive answer because uh, he can be a little bit inaccurate with that. And, you know, I mean, to be fair... You're asking him that question that after either. the game. I mean, he, do, he doesn't have reality uh, in his grasp at that point. But uh, going over some of these guys, Alex Bars. I mean, Alex Bars uh, uh, sprained his right ankle. It looked to me like Kramer and the guy that was he was blocking kind of fell on the back of his legs. Uh, but he came back in, and, and he worked hard in that 15-play 80-yard drive. But after that, they made some changes. And we can talk about one of the questions asked about the, the top six offensive linemen. Uh, but he should be fine. Equinemius St. Brown uh, was having cramping issues, so obviously that's not uh, an issue. Adams is dehydrated, so that was. But his, he, his is a running issue at the ankle. If he hadn't been yeah. dehydrated and he would have carried a few more times, he probably would would have been nicked up because that's been uh, his mo all season. Brandon Wimbush really wasn't close to playing. I mean, based upon what we saw in the pregame, they ran him out there with the second unit during the pregame, but I think that was for more show than anything else because he was dragging the leg around. Dexter Williams. Um, Not running great in warm-ups. No, and so, you know, again, two weeks, he should be he should be fine. I'm interested to hear about um, uh, Myron Tagovailoa, Amosa, and his injury because it was... Brian Kelly said chest contusion, which when, you know, I guess I didn't hear contusion at first when he said chest. I'm always concerned about a guy reaching his arm in a pile and getting bent back and and doing some structural damage to the chest, which can be a long recovery. But if it's a chest contusion, that shouldn't be a problem. I think you'll know all you need to know about Myron on Tuesday when we ask the question. And if Kelly says, well, we're going to try to get him moving here, then there's an an issue. Yeah. If if he's not just... right. A chest contusion, you're fine in 10 days Doesn't to go see, practice. So yeah. I think that would be kind of an indicator that you see. I think for the USC game, Wimbush is the number one concern, obviously, because we don't know how close he is. We don't know what in any way how bad the injury is, obviously. And then Bars, missed, you know, Bars has missed time before with an ankle injury, but that's, yeah, I, I assume he'll be okay. But uh, Brian Kelly immediately said or, or originally said that Brandon Wimbush, uh, you know, there were no, the x-rays were, I mean, if the x-rays are clean, then... Yeah, he should have a great chance of, of being ready for USC. I don't think it didn't sound like they're going to do a ton on the field this week. A lot of coaches going out recruiting coaches and then, and then everybody recruiting. at one point. They have final or midterms, excuse right. me, so they shouldn't do a lot on the field, especially look, if you have midterms at Notre Dame and you don't have a game, that's you owe it to you get your a, you, team. You get, you get them on the field and you, you, you run them around. Yeah. You know, you go through your stuff. Hey, all you need to know is they're doing a little navy prep. Yeah, that's the, just because you know we don't. You can always want to get that in ahead for the defense. Um, so that's. I was glad to hear that. Yeah. That's that's a proactive thing, and yeah, you know, I, I mean, not that Kelly hasn't done that before. Sure, but, but that means they're not they're not really putting him through the ringer this week. It's, right. There's some mental preps, and there's right. and right. get and get your own around. Right. So that's good stuff, and and you know, injury wise, I can't help but think you know when you hear North Carolina how beat up they are, you you think of. They were saying that about Notre Dame. Does North Carolina have a strength and conditioning issue? 
you, you, I mean, you can't help but wonder that considering where Notre Dame was and where they are now uh, with uh, with Matt Bayless. They have an issue of offending my delicate sensibilities offensively because that was hard to watch. They're a pretty bad football yeah. team. You know, I mean, with all they lost from last year and then you throw the injuries into that equation, they're just too young at the skill positions to be consistent. And they would have had a first down a little bit earlier had, uh, I think, Cunningham dropped a pass. And they're just, I mean, their receiving core is not well developed. Uh, Ratliff Williams is is pretty good and getting better and a guy that I'm sure they'll, they'll lean on in the second half of the season. But, man, they're lot, they're, not only are they lacking talent, but the talent that they have is all young. Uh, so they're in a really tough position. Nordy did what they needed to do, and uh, they move in at 5-1. and one. And then we can move on to segment two with some questions next. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana. Serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Blue Chip Man. What haven't you seen from Notre Dame so far this season that will be required to beat USC? Because Sam Darnold is the best passer they have seen and probably will see. Um, I know he hasn't been great, but he is certainly capable of it. Winning the 50-50 ball from the corners, they have not been... I haven't been where I thought they would be with that. Julian loves... Of Julian loves five, six touchdowns given up, I believe. Five, he could have won the battle. Now, the George one was a remarkable catch, of course. That's not... Other than knocking the ball away, you right. can't do much there. Nick Watkins struggled with it against Miami. As you kind of mentioned when I said he's better than that, he, he he's had a couple other moments, including against Georgia where the ball's in the air. He's got to win those. Against USC, there's going to be some, because those are 30-yard swings uh, on second and 10 that come up pretty good. And Along with that, I would say, I'm, I'm still in the secondary, Brian Kelly has often deflected praise of the safeties by saying we don't put them in position mm-hmm. where they have to make tackles with guys coming at them eight to ten yards away with these running attacks in the next six games navy number one bryce love is going to be in the second level at times uh miami with mark walton usc with their athletes and ronald jones nc states i mean nc state they will they will run the ball at you and even Wake Forest is a quality running team. They, yeah. They're going to have these safeties are going to have to make some plays. Yeah, I, I addressed some of those stats in uh, this week's tale of the tape. Mark Walton, I just found out this morning. I wasn't aware of this. He he got hurt. He's in he's, Florida State. Yeah, he's done. Okay. apparently, or that's what I was told. I haven't actually read that. But thirty uh, ninth rank rushing attack. That's a, yeah, that's a hit. He was yeah, he's, good, he's, he's a good, he was a good freshman. He's last good year. back. Yeah. You know, when I look at Notre Dame versus USC, I mean, not just USC, but as you progress further into the second half, I. I still don't think the run defense has really, really been challenged. When you mentioned Bryce Love, he's a great running back, and that's going to be a problem. And, you know, passing offense are going to have to be more efficient. You know they're facing athletes in the secondary from from USC. But to your point about the the secondary, you know, the touchdown pass that uh, Ratliff-Williams scored, that was another example. He did did what – it wasn't the same route exactly, but he did what Watkins did on the first touchdown Mm -hmm. by Gardner. He had a cushion – you need to engage and then get over the top. He didn't get over the top, and it ended up being a an easy touchdown. I think, and and Pete tracks the the plays, and 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 I was surprised to see how many snaps Crawford got compared to Watkins uh, against Miami Ohio. But I think you probably see 
more and more of Sean Crawford in base defense. He's their best corner. Yeah, and they repped Love on the boundary, so people are thinking Vaughn would come in for, or Watkins would have to stay and take Love out. They repped Love on the boundary because of that possibility, we, we, knowing they might need great. to do it. That's, I guess. A, that's a great move. That's so the that right is, thing to do. That might be the thing. And you're going to see a little bit more, not not the whole, obviously not the rest of the way, but against USC, they're going to have to play some nickel because they're they're a little faster when that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the way it goes. So, you know, a lot of concerns. And, I, you know, we tend to focus on, wow, that second half of the season is tough. Well, Notre Dame is a very difficult opponent for every one of those tough opponents they're about oh, to face. Oh, sure. And, you know, Georgia, Georgia's the... I think they're the 10th ranked rushing attack in the nation. I mean, Notre Dame handled those two running backs pretty well. It's yeah, not going to be contain a, them. They contained you know. them. Oh, they did enough to win. There's sure. no doubt about that. Uh, so that's now there's a compliment in passing. You know, people I don't think give Finley enough credit from NC State if you're a Notre Dame fan because you only saw him throwing in a hurricane and not having to throw off. And they're they're a tough offense to stop when they get rolling because of him. And Jalen McClendon's a hard matchup. Yes, you, that's the, he was a wildcat quarterback at one point. Now he's an H back tight yeah. end, fullback, anything you want to call him. He is just a he's just a good yeah, football. I player. really haven't looked to see how much they've used him. I mean, fin, Finley's obviously their number one guy, and just they use him everywhere though. They use him in every capacity: okay. tight end, fullback, H back, running back. Oh, Jalen McClendon. The, Sa- oh, I, you're not talking about the backup quarterback. No, I'm talking. Isn't you, it Jalen Samuels? I'm sorry. I, I okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, 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 Samuels. Okay. He, he is a difficult. Matchup. Oh no, I did say about Clendon, it. You're right. Yeah, I, I mean, wonder why you're missing what I was saying because I was saying the yeah. wrong thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Last year they listed him as a tight end. Yeah. He's care. I think he's carrying the ball a little bit more. We'll we'll get to obviously more on NC State as uh, we get into that week. But uh, yeah, they're all kind of, you know, I I I think we all have confidence that whatever the situation, Mike Elko is going to adjust and make it better against better competition. But when you look at who they played the first half, you just still have some questions about, you know, how good are they going to be against a run? And you and and the Georgia example is a good example. That was a real, real test, and they they hung in there really well. Neither one of us said anything on offense. It's interesting. Well, I said passing yeah, offense passing, again. The yeah, passing I mean, attack, that's, you're you know, gonna have to. Yeah, I mean, you just you got you got to be better in everything you do when you start playing these teams. J Turk eighty three. What are your most what are you most surprised about so far this season? One loss record, passing game, defensive line play. Defensive line play for me, uh, I think five and one was that out of the realm of possibility. I actually figured we we all had, yeah, had five and yeah. one here, just not yeah. after the early loss. Um, the uh, the struggles in the passing game are worse than I thought they would be. There's there's no doubt about that. I think we could have maybe been given a hint when we watched Freddie Canteen win a starting job. Coming into a program where he he couldn't win starting jobs before, coming into a program where there's 11 receivers returning, or 10 receivers returning plus Cam Smith, it was strange that he would go out there and win a job. It shows that maturity won the job rather than explosive talent. And Cam Smith won a starting job too, but Cam Smith is a good blocker and he understood the offense coming. You know, he had played at Arizona State when Chip Long and Bill Alexander, so that was understandable. Positively, defensive line play is by far the biggest surprise yeah, uh, it, uh, for me as well. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't think any of us expected the passing game to struggle to this extent. The inaccuracy of Wimbush, we had never really, we'd never seen it with our own eyes. Samson's been beating the drum about the wide receivers yeah. being overrated for yeah. months and months. So, uh, among the three of us, somewhere, you know, somewhere within there, somebody has the idea about. The areas of, of, of strength and weak, uh, weakness in anticipation. But, um, you know, just the overall play, yeah. the overall 
Uh, they didn't. They dis- didn't limp to discipline. five and one at all. Right. It's... The the discipline, the ability. Well, okay, going on the road and winning yeah. by twenty points three times. Uh, you know, none of us anticipated that with with as much as they've struggled, but they've gone. And it's a ranked team road. now, Michigan State. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's not like it was all North Carolina broken down. It was. It's stunning that they would win three well, games. Well, that's that, why it hasn't happened in forty we, years. You can say Boston College stinks, but you rush for five hundred fifteen yeah. yards. No. Nobody expects something like that. Now they're not clearly they're not as stout as they were against the run, but they yeah, have most, guys that can do stuff though. You shouldn't run for that many yards. Most of the ninety percent of the surprises are positive surprises as, as opposed to the negative. Wash ND halfway through the season. Who is your most surprising player, and who is your most disappointing player? Well, we didn't think Dion McIntosh would be doing this. No. We didn't. That's we, the we biggest surprise. Yeah, so I mean far. that 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 has. But but like. Among the guys that are are playing, I, Jerry Tillery to to see the strength and the the physical conditioning and the effort play after play, game after game. I mean, God bless him. What what a transformation of not only a career but a mindset to play the game, a toughness, a competitiveness, a tremendous job on his part. I did not expect. Tommy Kramer and Robert Hainsey to be as effective in a tandem. Right, the tandem scared me. That was that usually means you don't have a player. And, and the, right, and the great thing is now you're developing six offensive linemen instead of five, and you're preparing Kramer for his move to guard, which will happen next year when Nelson is gone. Alex Bars likely moves to left guard. You can have Kramer's already getting experience at, at right guard. You have Hainsey at right tackle, and then. Then you start mixing in, or you look to next year with the development of, of some other people. Josh Lugg. Uh, I still think Aaron Banks is going to be a good guard, but it's probably going to be, you know, down the road right. like it is for most offensive linemen. Uh, Hainsey and Kramer being being uh, the exceptions. Most surprising is for me is Julian Aquara because yeah, yeah. he is a absolute Pocket wrecker, as uh, Mike Elston tried to let us know. He wreck, is, wreck the edge. He wrecks the edge. He is a legitimate pass rusher as a sophomore. He's their best pass rusher. He's he has strength. He has what a Brian Kelly. They can he can bend the rail. He comes the, yeah. the way he gets. He used that for Harold Landry. It works for Julian. The strength Okara. is the strength is what is the most astonishing yeah. thing to me. Because how many times have we oh I said in the preseason he can't. He's quick. He can get off the edge if he has some space to maneuver. But if he gets locked up with an offensive tackle, he can't get off the block. Well, that's not true anymore because he has the strength to get off the block. And then once he does that, the athleticism to duck under and get the edge. What if I'd have said in August, sitting here, Julian Aquara is going to make this nickel package fun to watch? You would think, what do you... What are you watching? He yeah. is a. I would think he, that that they, would they be are, true, but not to the not level of consistency that he does it. When they come in, you expect to stop. And he's playing more rundowns, and he hold he's holding his own there he, too. He dropped against Michigan State. He actually drops into coverage. He, he is. is it's, that's a quality football player. They have. They have another one there in Dalen Hayes too, who doesn't get enough credit. We actually talked about this in the car. Julian Okwar, I think, is a better natural pass rusher, but Dalen Hayes has a tougher job. Down to down, dropping to yeah. the flat, playing the run. And Dalen Hayes, uh, I think, is underrated at this point. I think he does more good things. Like, for example, I, one of the reasons I do tail the tape is when somebody gets held, you know, they call mm-hmm. the penalty against the offense. You don't always know which defensive player was held. It, it happens a lot to Dalen Hayes, as it did against North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, well, this is Surpri- obvious. Surprises in the negative. Tony Jones, Jr. 
for me, clearly. I mean, he was the he was one of the five best players in the spring and one of the for me, ten best players in August. I don't I am well, he's banged, that, but if he's banged up. Yes, we don't yeah, we just can't. he is banged up now for sure. I'm wondering if he was banged up basically by the end of the Temple game or into the Georgia game because that that's true. It could, not, it could have been an ankle problem that just got worse. Yeah, you're not gonna right. you're not gonna say, hey, by the way, Tony Jones got hurt if you're Brian Kelly in a press conference. You have yeah. to see the real injury calm the mission for pre-Michigan State, but Tony Jones looked like a running back that was going to be out there and, I mean, at worst, be a guy that's scoring seven touchdowns and running for 500 yards to augment Josh Adams, yeah. and he's he does not look better than Deion McIntosh right now. Uh, no, definitely but not. But clearly he did to everyone, and not just us. Tony Jones is going to be a good running yeah, back. Might he, not be he, right now. Yeah, he's he has power. He has some elusiveness. We've seen it. I know it hasn't necessarily been publicized. There are probably some clips on on UND.com that showed some of what Tony Jones could do. But I, before I, you know, I also want to throw Jonathan Bonner is, is, a, is a more stout, more effective defensive tackle. Than, Surprising player in a good than, way. Than, than we anticipated there. Nick Watkins, um, you can say he hasn't been tested, but he's a pretty good football player. He should have had a pick against North Carolina. How in the world that ball got through? Nick. Nick Coleman. Uh, Nick, Nick Coleman, Coleman, I'm yeah. sorry. Nick yeah. Coleman, yeah. Um, but in, in the negative, I I, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed in Equinemius St. Brown lack of want-to and lack of dealing with physicality and being thrown off his initial route. I mean, just not playing with the desire and toughness and physicality that you need to be effective on this level, let alone the next level. And if this question was a couple weeks ago, I probably would have included Alizé Mack more naturally than now. But I, Mack did what he was asked in this last game. Now, I am surprised Mack's not making plays down the field. But six catches, four move the chains on first down for your backup quarterback, one on third down, one on fourth down. That's what they needed from Alizé Mack in this game. I thought Alizé Mack, however, would be a game-breaking player. Uh, I found it interesting Brian Kelly said he has great practices. The speed of the game is still an issue. I, yeah. I would have totally bought that for Temple. He's probably being asked to block more yes, unattached than we than we uh, anticipated he would. Um, you know, so I mean that I, I'm not sure he's being asked to do a whole lot downfield. It just seems like you can get him downfield. Sure, for I know. One I, or agree. Two shots, right? I agree. I agree. But it's evolving. Yeah. It, it it is evolving, and and that's a good thing. Statman seventy two is Hunter Bibbin really the sixth best offensive lineman? Well, definitely not. Uh, again, something I flat out made that statement in detail of tape this week that he he definitely is not. You know, he had an opportunity to win a starting job last year, or at least to compete for one. And I don't, I mean, I don't think he was terrible in this game. The the, the fact that they made the change, I think they just looked at okay, where are we going to get more upside? And that was to have a, a, a powerful run block. Mental error as a fifth year senior down by the goal line. I think they were probably like, all right, this is Harry Easton looked pretty mad. There must have been something going on with this because no one makes that. They never make that move. The in-game. Oh, I know. Backup right. But, 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 but this, Kramer has been getting some has. action it, it at was, guard. It wasn't so his helped. first time at guard. No. Yeah, it wasn't his first time at guard. But it's a strange. The, the starting right tackle you don't see going in as the third guard very no. often. In a, in a game you're winning handily. Oh, you and, don't, you it, don't yeah. see a split at right tackle. At, at right. tackle or right. at any position it's, like you have this year. So that's a. That's a positive. No, we know who the six best are. It's the regular starting four, and then, and then Hainsey and, and, and Kramer, and then Ruland is the seventh. And Ruland is probably yeah. the seventh best. And he's I think at they, the right position, though. They have said 
He's a little smaller now. He's perfect yeah. for center. He's not big enough for But guard. let's not find out whether he's the seventh best. <laughs> let's keep, you know. Yeah. Because I, I continue to think that Sam Mustafer. Now I keep hearing, I think we've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I asked Kelly about, uh, you know, Mustafer and being underrated and not getting a lot. Of, and and now, we can, now the announcers are saying that Sam Mustafer, I'm not saying that what I said prompted that, but I, but I, I think they read tail of the tape. Well, that's what it was. They read tail of the tape. Yeah. But, no, I mean, he's, he is a good, strong, physical, tough kid that, that now that he's a second year starter, he's a much better football player. But to this question, no, he's the eighth best lineman, the natural guy to go in because he backs up bars. Uh, he's the eighth best eligible lineman because they're not going to play Josh Lugg and Aaron Banks. So yeah, if you're wondering, is, is he a good number eight? I'm not sure, but Josh Lug and Aaron Banks would be ahead of him if you weren't preserving your eligibility. So that's that's why he go in at first. It's natural when you're the backup right guard. And I liked Hunter Biven in all these blowouts. I actually said this before the game. Someone sitting next to me. I think Hunter Biven had been doing a really good job in the blowouts of springing guys like Deion McIntosh, and then he just didn't. Yeah. You know, he didn't have a great. He day. did not. He, he, on the 73-yard run by Adams, I mean, everybody did things yeah. well, and Biven got out in front, but when he had to engage the guy, he there was give. Well, by that point, Adams was through yeah. it and on, and on his way. But I just think what has prevented Hunter Biven from being a guy that, that starts and or contributes more is just a lack of physicality and the ability to move people. Whereas with Kramer, the ability to move people – has never been a question. It was whether he was agile and mobile enough to, to play on the edge. Denver Maximus, what needs to be done at the wide receiver position in order to help the passing game become a legitimate threat? There, there, are, there are many parts to this question. Um, you know, there, there's some questioning of, of Del Alexander as a receiver coach, and my response to that is that you. I don't know how we as observers of the game on the outside can make that determination. Number one, Brandon Wimbush has been inaccurate. Number two, they're running the football more. So if you're looking at receptions, you know, totals to, to verify whether Dell Alexander's doing a good enough job or not. Now, uh, CJ Sanders isn't playing. We saw Michael Young early in the year and now he's not playing, but I think that's more of a head coaching decision than anything. Um, you know, you just, I, Chase Claypool is getting better. I, 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 I would I would say that, you know, Miles Boykin is getting better and maybe he deserves some snaps and maybe maybe Equinemius St. Brown deserves a few less snaps. I doubt that they'll do that. Um, Cam Smith, I thought, made a good adjustment on the touchdown where he found the seam between two defenders and Book made a good, a really nice look back and, and found him. Um, I think the first step was taken when they settled on Chase Claypool. Yeah, make be- make your point about and this this emphasizes what Samson was saying about the receiving core. They didn't decide on a receiving core until when? Well, they they did a default receiving core right. for Temple, and then going to the Boston College game, they said, you know what? I think we've decided what we want to do here. I don't know if Chase Claypool needed better traits or something, but Chase Claypool should have been decided upon as your starter over Freddie Canteen. Going into this I think it, I think it's just attention to detail and consistency and just having the experience to execute an offense. Getting him in there. And Freddie Cantina played like one football game in three years. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah, I totally I get, get the Cam Smith thing. But yeah. getting Chase Claypool as one of your main guys is a big deal. I think settling in on who you want is important. It's You make a good point, though. 
maybe Miles Boykin should get some snaps. And I'm not obviously I the number he, one thing is I think to, he's trending that way. Number one thing is to get Equinemius St. Brown back into being the competitive guy he was at the beginning of the year, where he was thinking I'm going to be one of the best receivers in the country. But he, that's on that's EQ. Yeah, that's it is on, on that's him. On oh, him. It certainly is on him. I now, I, you know, I'm not sure this guy's going to matter the rest of the year. Stefferson's is farther removed than when he wasn't able to play. Yeah, yeah, they I, can't get him in. I mean, it's a strange. They 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 got him in right away when he was eligible against Miami, and he did he. What did he come in the fourth quarter? Or no, it was late third, late yeah, third quarter. Pass. Let's see. With two weeks, with two weeks yeah. now to prepare, let's see if he has a a bigger role against USC. I guess you would like to see him do a little bit more in these last two games to feel confident yes, about uh, about upping would. his role against USC. But let's see what happens against USC. Obviously, I mean, that's a guy that can take the top off of a defense and and somebody that they they absolutely need. I mentioned this on the board. Uh, they are blocking well downfield. Cam Smith is yes. a good blocker. Chase Claypool is really starting to take some pride nobody, in it. Nobody cares about that, Tim. <laughs> they don't, but you know what you should care about? <laughs> For all the wide receivers, all the wide receiver talent you have had here, this wide receiver group is on the highest scoring offense in Notre Dame history. So that's what yeah. these wide receivers. Are I'm doing. kidding when I say that because <laughs> yes. it, they, because it's it extremely is important. important yes. But you don't. There are no stats on that. So well, we the can't stat measure. is 40 points a game. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that is a component <laughs> is, of that. And I re- and I agree. The passing game needs to be better to score 40 points a game in the second half. And I'm with you. Yeah, to get you know, Brandon Wimbush needs to be more accurate. Brandon Wimbush needs to be able to throw on the run more. Brandon Wimbush needs to be able to be more accurate on timing routes. Uh, you know, EQ, I mean, a defensive EQ, he's had to he's had to be an acrobat to catch, catch a lot of the stuff thrown from Wimbush to him. You mentioned stats, and that's why this is a little strange. We're really harping on this question, but three throws should have been made. One changes the college football season. Flea flickered Equinemius St. Brown. He's open by five yards for a 75-yard touchdown to start the game against Georgia. Add that to the passing stats. Cam Smith, 75-yard post, open by three and a half yards against Miami. Add that to the passing stats. And add Nick Witcher's 30-yard little crossing banana route for a touchdown on the probably the most hesitant throw of the season for Brandon Wimbush. You add that to the passing stats. That's true. It looks better, and I don't know how much better they are. It just means he hit those throws. It it's doesn't make them that much better. You know, if Deshaun Kaiser's throwing those passes, it's either either on target or overthrown, right? Because yeah. he started he started to miss a, a couple guys last year. But um, there are a lot of ways to improve the receiving core. Yes, in the passing game. But it's but it's but it's complex, and it involves a lot of moving parts, and sometimes. Getting all those moving parts to mesh is is difficult to do. Question from Indy NYC. The two positions I was expecting more from this year are led by two newcomers, Clark Lee and Dell Alexander. Please comment on the job of those two assistants so far. We already talked about receivers. We'll focus on the linebackers. I'm, I guess I'm puzzled because... If you're going down the linebackers, Drew Tranquil's having an outstanding season. Yeah, I'm not sure everybody considers him to be a linebacker, but definitely we do. A linebacker. Yeah, we yeah. do, and and so he's in the equation. Uh, his backup, Asmar Bilal, has not been at all what I thought he could do in support of Drew Tranquil. In fact, if that's where you want to draw the ire of coaching and player development, I think that's been a rough go of it for Asmar. Uh, Tavon Coney is much better than he was last year. I don't know if people remember Tavon Coney being slow and ineffectual last year. He is... 100% taken to strength and conditioning and improving his game. I guess he was better in mid-September yeah. than he is right now, statistically. And maybe they think Niles Morgan, because people like me or you or Pete or others would say, I think he's the second or third best guy exiting camp. And you probably wouldn't. You wouldn't say that now. You'd have about a, you'd have a bunch of offensive guys in front of him for 
Notre Dame's best players, but I don't see the problem with the linebackers to bring up a question on it. As I said before, we start recording. If you if you're if you're expecting Georgia linebacker level production, I mean maybe that maybe that image kind of yeah, uh, is is burned in our head. And, yeah. Um, although, I mean, in fairness, I, I I know I was saying in the preseason linebacker core is the best unit on defense mm-hmm. by far, no doubt about it. Well, we found out that Mike Elson's a pretty good defensive line coach, and Mike Elko's a really really defensive good defensive coordinator that gets virtually everybody better. But uh, I don't think linebacker play is hurting Notre Dame. either. It may not be spectacular. I mean, Grim Martini, I think, is a solid, uh, integral part of the 11 moving parts on defense. Uh, that sounds like a backhanded compliment, doesn't it? <laughs> it? Yeah, I did, but I mean, he's been, I mean, he's made some plays, too. No, he's he caught, ha- he had. No, I've been on, I've always I mean, been on Martini's bandwagon. He caused the fumble against Michigan State. He intercepts the pass against <laughs> Miami. I know it's Miami, but he was playing Miami when he did it. You can't do much about that. There's no, uh, I mean, Coney, I guess Coney's best play was probably that, the Temple yeah. game. He was great, but they were, that's what you get, what you get there. Coney had good games against Georgia. It's, Maybe it's a Morgan question. Is it a Morgan question? They I don't know. There, there been, and there have been some run fits missed along yeah. the way during the first six games. But playing, playing linebacker and hitting every run fit over the course of half a season is difficult to do. I, I mean, I, we're not trying to make excuses for these right. guys. I, I don't I, I don't think it... I get the wide receiver uh, debate a heck of a lot more than I would yeah, have Yeah, I mean, even at, even at their best, this isn't one of the top dozen linebacker cores in the country. Right, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe we kind of... Maybe we maybe yeah, I mean, think it's going to be that much better. Yeah, I'm probably as responsible as anybody for that. Um, but we didn't have a real high opinion of the defensive line, and we were wrong. And I still think there are some questions in the secondary, but they've they've held their own as well. Just burn the tapes, Jack, and we'll say we said defensive line the whole time. <laughs> no Question from ZC727. I can't shake the belief that this team will stumble down the stretch and finish 8-4. and four. Do you guys feel more confident in 10 wins or 8 at this point? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, anything that I've seen in the first six games, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't know why I would think, "Wow, they're really going to stumble." They're not very good. They're a, they are a significantly, vastly improved de- uh, football team. The opponents that are coming up, I mean, that that would be the one thing. It's like, okay, uh, the, the opponents that are coming up. They're going to be very difficult to to defeat, but I go back to the whole notion that USC and NC State and Miami and Stanford are looking at Notre Dame saying, damn, that's a difficult yes. team to beat. And their fan base is probably doing the same thing. I would rate, so that Army could win somewhere between six and, uh, we'll, we'll give them a win, somewhere between six and 11 you, games. You, want, right? to a, you yeah. want to make a prediction on the last six games I'm, right now? I'm going, no, I'm going this way, though. If I had to put money on it, I would go highest to lowest. Odds, yeah. 10, 9, 11, 8, 7, 6. 10, 9, 8, 11. No, 10, 9, 11, 11. 8, 7, 6. They will not go 3 and 3 down this year. So, let, I, let am, me, I am always down on Nordic in November. Oh, well, they will not, not go 3 and no, 3. No, they're not. That would be good 3 and 3. 8 wins is 3 and 3. I think we're all thinking beyond that. Yes, so 10, 9, 11, 8, 7, 6 in order. So ten means five and one. Nine mean nine wins means two losses. four and yep. two. 
11 means and you, would, you would vote for a 5-1 and one over a 4-2 and two finish. I would vote for 5-1 and one over 4-2, and two, and I would vote for... And those two are way ahead of the rest, obviously. I would vote for a running the table over a 3-3. Three and three. And those two are way ahead of 7 and 6 wins, clearly. They're yeah. not winning 7 I'm games not, this year. I, I'm not ready to go to running the table. And neither, neither are you. You're not saying I'm not that. saying it's that at way, all. Right. I'm right. not saying that at all. I'm saying I think there's a better chance of going 6-0 and oh than 3-3. Three and three. And there's a much better chance of winning one or of losing one or two than yeah, either one of those I, things. I think we're in agreement though. Yeah. Five and one, four and two is the range that we're in at and this point. And way above the other yeah. top. Now that's provided that. I, I mean, I don't think Wake Forest is going to beat Notre Dame. I never assume anything with Navy. Uh, although, as I don't think they're winning, I don't think they're running the table. But I'm saying is, I almost am at the preposterous range of three and three. You would predict it right now. I'm not saying it's not possible, but if if you lose Wimbush, Adams, and Nelson then we have to change everything else. Yeah. But right now, it's barring weird stuff like that, you would not think this team is going to go 3-3. Three and three. There's nothing that you've seen makes you Absol- think 3-3. Three and three. A- Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. How, however, I mean, it's USC, NC State, Miami, and, and Stanford is the most challenging ones. And not a quote, assuming that you beat Wake Forest and Navy. So that means 10 wins, you've got to win. Right, but 9 is my number one. I mean, 9, nine and 10 is the... I know I said 10, but yeah. 9 and 10 are in the same realm. All right, like so rank, rank of those four top opponents, rank the order of, of confidence that you have. It is? <laughs> yes, this is Monday Musings. So, I'll do it anyway. I had a uh, rank of the six. I, I did redid the trouble spots to do every summer, like yeah. ranking, because it's not just talent, it's how the game this is played. This is where you excel, O'Malley. Well, I've already got him running the table instead of going three and three. So no, I, I, I said the hardest game left, and it's, nothing, it's not only talent, it's the situation of every game. The order is NC State is my hardest game left because it follows USC. They have one week to prepare after either beating or losing to USC. I don't care if they beat or lose USC. I think NC State's the hardest game left. I agree with you. And they have the best defense. And Notre Dame's offense against a great defense can be a problem. I don't think it's a great defense, but it could be great that day. They have a great defensive line. That's a hard game to win. Number two is Stanford because bet the overman. There's going to be some yards. That's the house of horror. They can't. They haven't went out in Stanford since Stanford was terrible with Jim Harbaugh and Notre Dame was terrible with Charlie Weiss. It's been a long time. If you think it's easy to go win at Stanford, why do they never do it? I, no, I hear you, man. So Stanford is number two. I'm torn between a road game in Miami and USC. I tend to think USC is probably tougher. Because I think USC is going to come to play that day. But if you wanted to argue Miami, because it's a road game and probably a night road game, I wouldn't have anything against you. But I'm going to say USC. Then I'll say Miami, even though I'm tempted. Because <laughs> my that the, you know it's a it's a that's a really interesting. That's thing. a tough. I, I think right I now. have some different ideas than you, and I don't think either one of us are wrong because these are all strong opponents. And you tie in the fact that with the away games, here's the order I would rank them. NC State, for many of the same reasons yeah. that you did, playing them after USC and their talent level. Second, I I think I would say at Miami because their defense is very, very stout along with an offense with a young quarterback. I think I would put that second. Not that beating USC is easy. That's what I don't but want. I, I felt like some, I was really devaluing USC when I was doing But two weeks this. to prepare. Yeah. They play Utah, and we see some chinks in the armor of USC. Now, there are certainly chinks in Notre Dame's armor, too. I think I would put that third, and then I would... I had Stanford fourth, right? Yeah, if you're putting USC third, yeah. You have Stanford fourth. 
That's a hard win. That's a that's a hard win. That's a hard but game to win. I don't, and a lot depends upon. They have the best football coach on this list. They do, and Bryce Love well, is great. Maybe Mike, They've got a young matter. quarterback that they seem to be rallying around, or they're they're more productive with him. I'm not sure if I can rank them in order. They're <laughs> they're they're they're, they're, they're difficult games, and I know Notre Dame has really struggled to win at Stanford, but I don't think. Well, here's the difference. It's Stanford. not a great Stanford defense. No. It's not a great Stanford defensive front. I think their secondary is pretty good. But it's not as powerful of a Stanford defense as we as we become accustomed. I have one more Stanford point to make, and that's why they're number two, because it follows a trip to South Beach, a trip home for Senior Day against Navy, and that wonderful joy of playing the triple option, and then rallying on a short week of Thanksgiving practice to go play Stanford. And whoever scheduled that's, that, no, that's a good point. Just didn't know what they were doing. No, it's, that's, that's, South Beach, Navy on Senior Day, Palo Alto. It's going to be a cold, dark. Day oh, in Notre Dame Stadium. Pitch is going to be so quick. So yeah. then I had Navy and Wake Forest, and you know, I mean, Wake Forest does come after USC and NC State. Can I go back and just say they're going to go eight <laughs> four? <laughs> no, I don't think they will go three and three. That's my final yeah. statement. No, I, I agree. And uh, the great thing about this is, I mean, that the level of competition coming up. We're going to find I out what Notre Dame is all absolutely. That's what I wrote about. This is about. what you want. You're it's five good. and one and you're not afraid of playing them. Normally you're five and one like, Hey, in the season end, maybe just get out yeah. of here. No, there's going to be a yeah. ton at stake and Notre Dame is a vastly improved football team. And we will discuss that further uh, a week from today as we take uh, our, our normal Thursday podcast off during the bye week and Samson will be back in on Monday. We will well, I get, I, we'll, we'll we'll start talking about USC certainly because we're not coming off of a of a game. So uh, a lot to look forward to, and a lot to be optimistic about because it's a much better football team than we've seen, uh, top to bottom. I mean, I mean even I mean better than very two, top. Yeah, I mean better go than the, go to the highest part of the yeah, top. Better it's, better than 2015 because of the completeness and the well roundedness of of this team. So. Uh, for Pete Sampson in his absence and Jack Freeman and with Tim O'Malley I'm Tim Priester and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider talk to you next time